VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Former Pakistani President Pervez Musharraf died over the weekend, I had a brief and unusual relationship with him. He once came to my house for dinner. I know, this sounds nutty, doesn't it? I hope I can tell this story well because it is incredible and it spans my thought process over several years in the aftermath of September 11. First, from the BBC, Pervez Musharraf, the one-time military ruler of a nuclear-armed Pakistan who promised critical support for Washington's campaign against al-Qaeda after the attacks on September 11, 2001, but faced growing resistance at home in a land seething with anti-Western passions, died on Sunday in a hospital in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, where he'd been treated for a long illness. He was 79 years old. Some context. Uh, ooh, how do I even want to begin this story? I guess I would begin it this way, that in the 2000 election, as I had in all prior presidential elections, I was for the Republican, in this case, W. I was for George W. Bush. I had worked for his father in 2000. I guess that was the year that I um, I emceed a 20,000 person rally in a cornfield in the county where I was born and raised, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. I mean, I was I was, you know, like knee deep in it at that time and thereafter became disenchanted with the Bush administration because I believed that post September 11, they had taken their eye off the ball. The mission being, you know, to go kill those responsible for the deaths of 3000 innocent Americans. September 11, I should say, I've told you this before, was I've said this over a period of 20 years, 20 plus years, was was the most seminal day in my life outside of those, you know, intensely personal days of births and weddings and so on and so so forth of of family members. Like it, it was the event. But I still say that today in 2023, like beyond the personal milestones of family. What was the most significant news event of my life? I think I probably would still say that. In any event, it really impacted me. That's why I've written a number of books on the subject, donated the proceeds to charity, got involved with the Garden of Reflection and raised all that money for them and the Flight 93 Memorial and the anniversary every September 11 for 20 years, my work with Steven Singer. I mean, it really, it really impacted me. It really impacted me. So... In the aftermath of September 11, I wanted the Bush administration to, to, to go and kill all those, you know, SOBs. Yeah, that's the kind one. That's not the one I was thinking. I, mine began with an M. With an M. Yeah, thank you, TC. TC knows me well. Um, 
And then, you know, over time, there's the Iraq invasion and Afghanistan. And I had mixed feelings about Iraq. Uh, I was initially against it. Then I heard Colin Powell's presentation about weapons of mass destruction. I always thought that he was a, a, a truthful and credible guy. And that kind of put me in the category of supporting the Iraq invasion. I remember participating at a rally in the suburbs of Philadelphia for like 10,000 people, which was a support the troops rally. Glenn Beck was the maestro of that. And I, I was on that stage. I had and still have in my closet. Now my family ridicule me for it when it comes up in the old family photographs. Yeah. yeah well, it's over there. I, I'm, I'm actually wearing it when I'm standing with Bush 41. I, I was asked to introduce Bush 41. I think that was in 04. You, you were there. And yeah, that's right. You were there. Right. Um, and I'm wearing a leather jacket that I bought in Arizona. And on the back, it's got that sort of iconic image of the flag being raised at ground zero. Just further proof for this was a really important milestone for me and for which I wanted there to be retribution for sure. I'm on air every single day and I'm talking about the latest developments. And over time, I'm coming to the opinion that We've taken our eye off the ball of the hunt for bin Laden and Zawahiri. I mean, I, I had I had an impromptu meeting with Donald Trump in the Oval Office. Uh, like the what what year would that have been? I guess that would have been in 2018. And it was very close in time to it was like within two weeks of a September 11 anniversary. And I said to him, Mr. President, why don't you go out and talk about Ayman al-Zawahiri? And, you know, reminded him it used to be bin Laden, Zawahiri, bin Laden, Zawahiri, and we killed bin Laden, but Zawahiri is still out there. Go out and talk about how you've not given up the hunt for Zawahiri. He didn't take my advice. And we killed Zawahiri recently, and that's a good thing. Anyway, so now it's 2006. And in 2006, I am asked by the Pentagon to be part of a, a civilian group, not journalists, a civilian group of about uh, 45 individuals who will be taken overseas and and just a packed schedule. We did four nations, 15,000 miles inside of a week, and we're given access to military at all level. In fact, our sendoff was in Washington with Donald Rumsfeld. And I was part of this group. It was called the uh, 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 Joint Civilian orientation conference jcoc it was an extraordinary experience they couldn't wait to get rid of me at the end of that conference because everywhere we went i asked about the hunt for bin laden and zawahiri not that they're going to tell me although they did give us this incredible access to information but before we left washington i said to rumsfeld secretary rumsfeld what about bin laden and zawahiri none of them wanted to hear it this is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. 
Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. And I came home from this extraordinary experience absolutely convinced that we now had higher priorities than the events that gave rise to these new, you know, military uh, experiences. So now we're headed into the 2008 cycle and a junior senator from Illinois comes on my radio program. And I asked him about exactly, you know, this issue. Uh, I don't remember the exact setup, but it was, you know, what, what are you going to do about bin Laden and Zawahiri? And we had this prescient exchange uh, in retrospect because Senator Obama talked to me about his willingness to go get bin Laden, even if he were living in Pakistan. Senator Clinton, Senator McCain, and George Bush. All suggested that I I had uh, said something wrong when I said we should be going after Bin Laden and high value targets, and if we've got them in our sights, you know we we should ask for Pakistan's cooperation. We should ask Pakistan to to take them out. But if they don't, we don't. We shouldn't need permission to go after somebody uh, or folks that killed three thousand Americans. So what you have to know about this is, of course, today we all think, well, yeah, we killed him in Abbottabad. Nobody was talking about Pakistan then. But Obama, President, now President Obama, uh, former president, he confirmed with me his willingness to go in to Pakistan. And for that interview with me, he was ridiculed. Like, oh, look, look how green this guy is. He doesn't know the way to, you're just going to invade the sovereign space of Pakistan. He knows nothing. And of course, we know how that all turned out. So. For largely these national security reasons, in 2008, I broke with the GOP and ended up voting for Barack Obama and doing it in a public way and explaining to anybody who would listen on air and in print. I think we've taken our eye off the ball of September 11. We, we need to stop what we're doing in Iraq and Afghanistan and go kill those responsible for it. And as I became more educated on the subject, I became more critical of Pervez Musharraf. Because my mindset then was one of we are paying boatloads of cash to the Pakistani president and he is taking the money and looking the other way and not uh, doing anything to look in the tribal regions where he had established this this uh, this detente with the warlords. Bin Laden is probably hiding there and Musharraf is not going to do what's necessary to go find him and kill him despite the pledges that he's made to the United States. You get it? And TC can attest to this. My campaign of criticism against the U.S. and Pervez Musharraf 
was an ongoing theme of my radio programs in the mid-2000s. 04, 05, 06, right in that time period, because for me, this was the issue more than anything else. It occupied my radio airwaves. I was then writing two columns a week, the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Philadelphia Daily News, a couple of books on the subject. Um, You know, like this was it for me. So imagine my shock when one day in 2008, at the end of 2008, a neighbor of mine, says to me, would you like to come over to the house for dinner? I'm entertaining President Musharraf. Like, what? My, my, he's a friend of mine. He's a neighbor and he's a friend. Raza Bukhari is his name. He's an entrepreneur. He's a very successful guy. He's, he is Pakistani and he's, he's very active in Pakistani affairs. So, and Raza knew knew what I'd been saying about Pervez. So this was not like a setup. And it was a small group of 20 people. 20 people. So I now go over and Raza says to me, everything is off the record. I'm going to seat you next to him. I'm going to seat you next to him. You can ask him whatever you want to ask him, but you you can't start writing and recording and so on and so forth. He'll be very candid with you. So now Musharraf is out of office. Okay, but Musharraf very recently out of office, but he wants to be back in office. You know, one he was one of these guys like many of them where he's there was always going to be another campaign. So we had this very frank exchange, and we got along just fine. Uh, and I told him what I thought. And I was then contacted by Raza the following morning, and he said, uh, the president has consented now to do an interview with you. You can come back to the house this afternoon and interview him and ask him whatever you want to ask him. I remember this so well because uh, Raza had a... Uh, uh, like a cigar room and home theater in his house. I told you, he's a very successful guy. And that's where I conducted the interview with Pervez Musharraf. And at the outset, I felt I've got to tell him, summarize for him the criticism that I've been making of him for all these years, because if I didn't, I'd be less than honest with him. And he immediately tells me, I have no idea what I'm talking about. The Fatah leaders, the federally administered tribal area leaders, where it seemed as if you were saying to them, I'm not going to intrude on your territories. Please don't intrude on my government, which left me as an American wondering who then is pursuing bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawahiri. In a nutshell, that has been my criticism, and I would be less than honest with you, sir, if I didn't face-to-face share that with you, because I'm most interested in hearing what response you can offer to my listeners on that point. Uh, I think, uh, let me be very, very frank, none of what you are saying is true. Right, none of it. Firstly, you start by uh, saying that uh, United States had outsourced the hunt for Osama and Zawahiri to Pakistan. There was no such outsourcing. We didn't discuss that it is your responsibility or our responsibility. Al-Qaeda has to be eliminated. It was in Pakistan's interest that we need to eliminate them from the mountains, and that is all. Now, who is to hunt for anyone? We have to go in. We don't even... There's Al-Qaeda by the hundreds. They were there by the hundreds. So we were not using the army, just moving around, trying to locate two people and doing nothing else. Army is tasked to do, uh, is, is given a mission to accomplish. Now that mission certainly was not, okay, you will go in and hunt for Osama and Zawahiri only. 
No, that, that was not their mission. Their mission was to eliminate any foreigners, uh, the Al-Qaeda, from that area, wherever they were. So in the process, if Zawahiri or Osama came in, very good. Like all the other uh, Al-Qaeda leaders who we got, whether from the tribal areas or from the settled areas where they had escaped, we weren't hunting for that particular man, but we had a, we have a long list of who, what the Al-Qaeda hierarchy is, developed by the intelligence, jointly. Who is the leader, who is their second in commands, who are, what appointments do they hold. So we were, anybody, any one of them, we were trying to look for all of them. Uh, so, so I don't think there was anything like outsourcing the capture or the seizing of these two people. So that is absolutely wrong. There was no outsourcing as such. There was total intelligence cooperation. Okay, so you get the feel, right? Like, these are two guys seated now in the Philly Burbs uh, in a private house. Did you and say you were in a wine cellar? Raza had, as I recall, a, he had, like, everything going on. So were you smoking cigars? What was going we on were down not, there? We were not smoking cigars then, but we definitely smoked cigars when the interview ended. Ah. Like, I'm now seated with this guy. I can ask him anything. Everything's on the record. You remember when we, we aired the totality of the interview I also remember, so you, you'll want to know, I imagine, if you're paying attention to what's become a long story from the host of the program, you're going to want to know, well, did he turn my opinion? This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Clover gives you the power to run a smarter, faster restaurant. See everything in real time with the kitchen display system. Streamline takeout and delivery with online ordering. With the right tech, quick service is getting even quicker. Clover, accept payments, run your business, and sell more. For a limited time only, visit Clover.com to get a $450 statement credit on qualified hardware purchases. That's www.clover.com. 
Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. You'll want to know, I imagine, if you're paying attention to what's become a long story from the host of the program, you're going to want to know, well, did he turn my opinion? The best way that I can answer that is to tell you that I had a conversation with Colin Powell before he passed. And I'm paraphrasing, but what he essentially said to me is we didn't have a lot of choices of dance partners. You know, like Musharraf was a friend to the United States. Was was he the best friend we could ever have hoped for? He was not. But he was the best available at the time. He was the best dance partner who the United States could have could have teamed with in the aftermath of September 11. But it was an eye opener for me on a whole variety of levels, and I've written about it. As a matter of fact, in today's Smirconish.com newsletter and right now posted at my website is a column that I published that I wrote after the dinner. So go and read it if you have interest. It begins this way. On Sunday, I had dinner with ex-Pakistani President Pervez Musharraf in town for a talk at the World Affairs Council, courtesy of Raza and Sabina Bukhari. Raza is a past president of the Pakistani-American Public Affairs Committee. He's my friend. I've written many times on my frustration with U.S. policy on Pakistan. We've outsourced the hunt for Osama bin Laden to Pakistan, which lacks the will and motivation to get the job done. I voted for Obama in part because on this issue, he promised change. Hence the question where I said to Musharraf, I feel like we've outsourced this responsibility to you and you're not doing anything. I was seated at Musharraf's right and across from Senator Arlen Specter, who explained to Musharraf my media role, including my radio show. Musharraf told me he wasn't doing interviews. He'd had a contentious interview on CNN with Wolf Blitzer, but had no intention of doing any more. So I didn't use a recorder or take notes, but Musharraf gave me permission to ask whatever I wanted. I said many of us wanted to know how the Pakistani government could reach an accord with the leaders of the tribal region in the fall of uh, 2006, about the time it was revealed that the U.S. was sending $80 million a month to Pakistan to fight al-Qaeda. Musharraf spoke decent English in a low but audible voice. He didn't look at me, but interrupted his meal and stared straight ahead while speaking. It was a conversation only between the two of us. Defiant is probably the best description of his tone. He said many Americans were naive. People don't understand Pakistan, he said. There are Pakistani troops in those tribal areas, overlooking my point that they weren't doing anything, and 1,500 Pakistani soldiers had died in the war on terror. There are important matters of strategy, he said. Don't tell us what to do in our country. I wanted to know what we had to show for the $11 billion the U.S. had paid the Pakistani government for its counterterror efforts, and I provide some of the back and forth in terms of what went on. Anyway, um, Pervez Musharraf is gone uh, when he came back to the Philadelphia area because because he and, and Raza and Sabina, uh, you know, they were friends and, and they would be routinely entertained at Raza's house. Not far. From, I, I could walk there. I wouldn't, but I could walk there. And when he came back, there's a photograph. I just want to explain this. There's a photograph accompanying the essay that I wrote that I republished today in the newsletter and I put it in my Instagram as well. It's election day 2020. I don't remember candidly whether it was the primary or the general. I think it was the general and 
President Musharraf was back in town visiting my friends, and I said, hey, can I come pick him up? This is nutty, right? Can I come pick him Show up? Show him how it's done. And take him to vote with me. And he loved the idea. So I walked into, just imagine your local polling place. Mine is none different. And I walked in with the former president of Pakistan, probably against the, the election rules. But I said, may he please come into the booth with me so that I can show him the machine. And I remember him explaining to me that in Pakistan, because of the, the, the uh, uh, rate of illiteracy, they don't vote names. They vote symbols. And his, do you remember, TC, what his symbol was? It was some sort of bird. It, right. It was a high-flying falcon. That's what it was. That yeah. was his, that was his symbol. Yeah. So uh, the picture you'll see in my social media is, is that encounter. I'm taking him to vote, to watch me vote on Election Day in, in 2010, which was a, was a midterm uh, election. So I had a, I had a uh, brief, personal, complicated. Intense and impactful. Yeah, that all of that fits, and yeah. I and I I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed his company. Just imagine being fascinated, critical of a particular subject, and then and then fate det- gives you the opportunity where you can be with this person who has been such an, an enigma and source of your criticism, and ask whatever you want to ask. I don't think I've ever had anything like that in my in my life again, and I probably will not. So that's my dinner with uh, Musharraf story. Thank you for indulging me, ladies and gentlemen. And go read the essay at Smirconish.com. It was in today's newsletter. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This is a message for anyone with high LDLC or bad cholesterol who has had or is at risk of having a cardiovascular adverse event. Merck is studying an investigational medication to see whether it may help lower the risk of future cardiovascular adverse events. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death worldwide. And in the United States alone, there are over 73 million people living with high LDLC. To learn about whether you may qualify, visit CoralReefStudies.com now. Again, that is C-O-R-A-L-R-E-E-F-S-T-U-D-I-E-S dot com.